Praise God, dear youth. It's an honor to be here in the house of God once again. I think every time we're in the house of God, it's an honor. It's an honor and we should always treat it that way. Uh, because we are in God's house and actually the house of God lives here. The church is here. Amen. The church is here. We are just, you know, we just use buildings to serve the Lord and to be able, and praise God that they're open. But I'm ha really happy to be here. Thank you to the leaders. Uh, it's a privilege to be here. Um, I want to start with a small story. So uh, last Friday, I was able to be at one of you guys' cell groups. And um, honestly, it was a privilege. I loved, I loved it. Um, so it was one of my dreams for our youth is for us to also do, do um, small groups and cell groups. So uh, it was a good you know, I got a really good experience, and it was awesome to see the youth open up. And I saw people just opening up. I was, I was uh, talking to my sister. I'm like, man, these people are really actually opening up to like, to, <laughs> to, to pretty serious stuff. But praise God, that's awesome. It's good to see people seeking the Lord in such a time as we live in today. And so, leaders, I just want to encourage you guys. If you are a small group leader, may God bless you. Um, allow for God to do incredible things at those small groups and, and engage people to do whatever God wants to do because that's what the church is, is the body of Christ. But also if you're not part of a small group yet, then um, please get involved. You know, I know you leaders would love it if you get involved somewhere. Just get in one of those small groups. You know, maybe you never hear your voice here at church um, on stage or something, but you could hear your voice there. And I'll, I'll be honest, every, it's open to everyone. It's open to absolute everyone. So... May God bless you guys and make the right decisions. You know, it's interesting. For the past seven months, um, how many of you guys know that we've been living in pretty kind of interesting times, right? Very weird at some point times, and I call them kind of unprecedented times. And the reason, here's why. Because our country, we're stepping on grounds that nobody has ever stepped before. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're having to make decisions that... Nobody has ever had to make before. We're going uh, as a country, I'm talking holistically as a country, we're going into debt that, that you know, nobody ever had to go in like this before. Now, we're, we're passing laws that nobody ever passed before. before. Our country's flirting with ideologies that, that have never worked before. Um, not only that, but a virus which nobody seems to have in control has already changed so much. And I think you guys can agree with me. It has changed so much. And, and if it hasn't changed so much, then I have a little word of conviction a little bit later. But, you know, and we see that today we're living in unprecedented times because like never before Christians, it seems like Christians, I'm not talking about the world, Christians seem to be stuck in chains that they can't get rid of. They're addicted to things that, that, that it, they're, hard, they're hard to dis, they detach from, as my brother was saying. They we're so attracted to things that you, you could think, you could, if you could only step aside and say, I shouldn't be attached to that. Very unprecedented times. People are focused on the wrong things, on earthly things, on things of here below. And I'm going to say this. People today seem to be more focused on their health, wealth, positions, careers, appearances than God. And I'm sorry if this is very convicting and maybe I'm starting off strong, but I'm just going to continue what my brother was saying. Because my brother before me kind of outlined my sermon. Because that's exactly what, what it is. But I want to warn us. And I want to say something that has actually... Um, it's been my cry, and, I, and I'm scared to say this, but I think this is the truth. That um, if after this season that we're going through, if, some, if, if it goes back to normal, or if we're waiting for it to go back to normal, then something went wrong. 
Something's wrong with our thought process if we're thinking that everything will go back to normal. I don't believe that God would allow for the whole world to be affected and infected also that it could all go back to normal. I don't believe that. I don't believe that in one second. Um, this season, I believe, is meant to affect every single person. It's meant to affect our heart. It's meant to affect our lifestyle. It's meant to affect, and here I'm going to say something, our lukewarm hearts. The areas of our life where we're still lukewarm for God. Where we're still not able to give God at all. It's meant to affect that. This season of our life is meant to affect our relationship with Jesus. It's meant to affect our, 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 our morals, our faith, our foundation. What are we standing on today? We're meant, I believe God wanted for us to examine ourselves. What is, how was my prayer life today? You know, one thing that I was, um, so I, praise God, I work from home. And one thing that I noticed right away off the bat, that if me now working from home, not having to commute, if I don't spend more time in prayer than I previously used to, then something is wrong. What am I spending that extra hour that I would have spent in commute? What am I doing with that time? Christians, this season of our life is meant to affect every area of our life. And if we think that it will go back to normal, we're wrong. I am wrong. I believe that through this season, and as we're stepping into the grounds that we don't know where we're going to go, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, I believe that we're going to see a distinction between who's right and who's wrong. We're going to be see, seeing a distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. That will be very visible. And may God help us to be on the right side. May God help us not to just be lukewarm and give it all up. It's not worth it. My pastor always says this. It's not worth going after the sin. It's not worth it in the end. It's not worth it. Don't even chase it. It's not worth it. You know, and, and I mean, it's even harder for me to say this, that this may be the beginning of the difficulties ahead of us. It may be. I don't know. I'm not God. But it may be just the beginning of what we might experience in the end. What we might experience. Look, our country has seen riots, unrest, division, hatred. We've all seen the videos of people beating each other up for no reason. Lawlessness all around us. Sin is dominating the, the church today. And here's, here's the deal. I believe this is a physical display of a spiritual problem on the inside, as Joe was already saying. Whatever's happening in our country, it just shows the spiritual problem in our heart. We're just seeing it physically. Because before it used to be on video games and online. Now it's physical. Now it's becoming on our streets. And people are trying to have, do all these riots and unrest for that reason. The devil, and here's the danger. The danger is this. The devil is trying to creep that into the church today. The devil is trying to creep that into the youth. All the devil needs is just a small crack. A small crack in our life. A small crack in our relationship with God. A small, just a small place where we're not aware, where we're not paying attention. And the devil slips himself in. And then only problems, only damage, only heartbreaks, only wickedness, only filth in our heart, in our life. Be careful. Be careful. But I believe, that's the negative stuff. I believe, though, that we have an encouragement. And, and, and I hope you've been reading your Bibles throughout this time of quarantine, now post-quarantine. I think I hope you're building your altar life with, the, with the reading the Word of God and the Bible. Because that's very important. 
I believe that's the most important thing going ahead to face these difficulties that are coming up. I really believe that. Um, you know, we have encouragement to help us walk through this season. And I want to speak about that today. I want to speak about our, our spiritual walk, my personal spiritual walk. You know, Apostle Paul gives us a few guidelines or a few guidances to help us to live more like Jesus as, as we're going through these times, these unprecedented times. These are just simple principles. They're nothing new. Don't worry, I didn't make them up. They're nothing new. They're all biblical. But they're going to help us to walk more like Christians. So if you want, you could jot these down or, 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 or jot maybe the place where we're going to have, we're going to read from in the Word of God. And maybe make this your prayer. Make this your goal. Something that you want to try to live by um, every single day. Because these are important and they're very practical. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16. There's two verses. A lot of times uh, we get to 1 Corinthians. So chapter 16 is the very last, ver uh, very last chapter. And so we're kind of like, oh, Paul is giving us greetings. And we might just miss these, these two verses. But these are two small, short, brief verses that we could very easily brush through. And I want to speak about them very carefully, briefly for the next few moments. So, Apostle Paul says this, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, um, that's gonna, I'm going to explain that a little bit later, uh, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. So I just want to go through those, there's five points here, and I just want to go through all five of them because they're very practical, at least for me. The first thing Apostle Paul says, the first encouragement for us to walk through this season, through the storm, through this, whatever we're going through is, Apostle Paul says, be watchful. Be watchful. Another translation says, be alert, be on guard, or keep your eyes open. Don't just close your eyes to see something evil. Don't close your eyes to that. If you see something evil creep up into your life, don't just close your eyes. Be alert. Because that could be a crack. That could be something where the devil's trying to come in. And another translation says this. As I'm living life, watch out for spiritual danger. Watch out for the enemy's fiery darts. That's biblical. Don't allow for evil to enter into our life. Um, and, and one thing that I got out of this is, Michael, wake up. Apostle Paul saying, be watchful. Wake up. Look at the time that you're living in. Look at that it's not easy. I'll be honest. I'll be, let's be real. It's not easy. As, to be a true Christian, it's not easy. But Apostle Paul gives us an encouragement and says, be watchful. The first thing that I have to do is just be watchful. Focus on where my eyes are today. What am I standing upon? What is my, the foundation of my life? What is my rock? Who is my rock? What are, my, what are the things that I value most? Here's what Apostle Paul actually says. He says this, since you were brought or yeah brought back to life with Christ focus on the things of, that are above where Christ holds the highest position you see the devil is trying to distract us as my brother was already saying with so much today business entertainment news trends materialistic things unimportant things and we try to focus on them as if they're the last thing that we could care about and if we really took a step back and look at it like these as they say 30,000 foot view they really don't matter. You know, you know what I mean? Um, I, I see oftentimes a lot of people get into arguments. And if you take a step back, <laughs> there's nothing there. There's, they're arguing about something that's almost like nothing. Almost something that doesn't matter. Oftentimes that's our Christian walk. We try to, as if we're fighting, or we try to focus on things that don't matter at all. And so Apostle Paul and I believe Jesus is telling us, watch out. Watch out. Uh, one of my favorite verses this whole year has been, seek first the kingdom of 
heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God. And think about this. It doesn't say, and then some things will just, God will give you some things. No, it says, all these, whatever you need, God will provide. But seek first the things that are above. Seek first the things that are the heavenly. Folks, be watchful, be alert. And so the prayer in point number one is this, God, would you help me in this season and in this walk of life to be alert, to be watchful. Help me, God. Number two, Apostle Paul says this, stand firm in the faith. Very simple, but very hard to do. Do you know this? I really believe that the greatest sin that we could ever commit is unbelief. When we don't believe the things of God. When God is trying to do something in our life and we don't believe it. And we don't, we're not even interested to approach. Remember Moses? He saw something that he couldn't believe. A bush that was not burning. And what did he do? He's like, ah. no. He said, what is that? He believed. He went towards it. And, he, and, and God attracted him. God, and God did something in his life. It's the same thing in our life. God wants us to stand firm in our faith. No matter the circumstances, no matter what we're going through in life, we're holding on to Christ. We're standing firm on our faith. We're not just kind of just some things I believe in this word and some things I'm like, ah, it's, it's whatever. No, we believe. We stand on this word. We believe in our faith. Um, and the fact of the matter is, my brother was saying this. I'm telling you, he stole my sermon. <laughs> uh, the fact of the matter is this. To stand on our faith, we must fight. It's not going to get easy. It's not going to get easy. In fact, Apostle Paul, sorry, Apostle Jude writes this. He says this, I continue to you and I encourage you to continue your fight for the Christian faith that was entrusted to God's holy people once for all time. Our faith requires us to fight. And the problem with today's generation is we're not fighting. And I'll put myself in that category. We're not fighters. We give up so easily. I don't know where it came from. A little bit of a challenge and we just give up. And we fall into sin and entrapments of the devil. Apostle Jude and Apostle Paul says, stand firm in the faith. Here's the deal. We build our faith by reading the word of God. It's not easy. It's a fight. Let me tell you, even opening up your Bible app in every single morning and reading a chapter or two or three, it's not easy. Even though it's on our phone. It's not easy. It's not fun. Nobody's going to cheer for you. But it's, it's fighting for our faith. It's standing strong on, on, on our faith. We build our faith by spending time in prayer, in knowing who God is. And guess what? That's not fun. It's not fun to sit, you know, in your room by yourself and just to pray and cry out to God. It's not fun. Nobody's going to, you don't have a worship band that's playing for you. And, and especially when this happens, as my brother was saying today, right? It's not fun. We're trying to read the word of God. We're trying to pray and then everything else, you get all these notifications. It's not fun at all. It's a fight. It's a fight. It's a fight. And that's the fight of our faith, to stand firm on our faith. We build our faith by spending time in community. Spending time with people. By, we build our faith by believing in the things of God and believing. Do you know what believing means? What does believing mean? It means believing the things that you don't see. That's the difference between the world and between, and between the Christians. Christians believe in the things that they don't see. The world believes in things that they see. And so it's very easy for them. But it's not easy for us. 
to believe in a God who we don't see, to believe in the things that God will have a way, God will make a way, that God will provide and that God will help us. It's a fight to stand upon our faith. We build our faith by sharing and witnessing to other people about our faith. That's important. And that's not easy to do. I'm t I'll be the first to say it's embarrassing at times. It's hard. You're like, what do I tell them? What do I tell her? What, how do I approach them? What's the question? Right? It's, it's, it's not easy. But we build our faith when we do that. We, when we stand upon what we believe, we're not easily swayed by false. We're not easily swayed by the worldly things. And so prayer today is, God, help me to stand firm in our faith. God, help me to stand firm in my faith that I received once and for all. Encouragement number three. It says act like men. Um, the, the context there actually, um, if you read the original, it says be courageous or be brave. And here's the interesting thing is bravery and courage are always tied with fulfilling the word of God. Being brave Christians and being courageous Christians, it's always tied with fulfilling what God asks us to do. It means carrying our responsibility. It means when God gives you something or entrusts you to do something, that means you do it. You don't know what's going to happen, but you do it. That's what being courageous means. Here's the deal. You guys have heard this. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 7, it says this. Only be strong, and I love this, and very courageous. Now, what are we being strong and courageous for? Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses and, and you, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And verse 9 says this, basically the same thing. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you will go. Now I know you could say, oh, that's for Joshua. No, 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 no. Look, the requirements here is something that we have to do today as well. The requirement is be strong and courageous and fulfill the things of God. And I will be with you wherever you'll go. And even in this, this fight of life, it's not going to be easy. But God says, I will be with you. That is a promise. Freedom and, sorry, uh, courage and bravery does not mean that we're free to do whatever we want. We're just, we're courageous. No, it means we obey Christ in all areas of our life. That's free, that's courage. That's a brave Christian. That's a brave soldier. Is all areas of my life belong to Jesus. And I'm fulfilling his promise. I'm fulfilling what he asks of me. Being a beacon of life, that's courage. Or people could come up to you at work, at school, wherever you may go. And they're like, how do you, why, why are you so happy? How come you're always smiling? How come everything's so well in your life? And you say, brother, sister, it's because I have something that you could also have. That's bravery. That's courage. And so the prayer today is, God, help me, help me, help me to, to be courageous, to be bold, to be brave for my God. Point number four, two more and then we're done. It says be strong. And, and in fact, it doesn't refer to bench pressing 300 pounds. That's not what it means here. Being strong is a little bit, is a little bit different. You know, the thing is, we all as humans have weaknesses. And I'll be the first to acknowledge that. Just because I'm up here doesn't mean anything. It just means that they've asked me to preach. <laughs> but trust me, we all have weaknesses. I have weaknesses. The righteous will fall seven times. But here's the thing about this. When we are strong, when the righteous does what? It says they fall seven times, but they also get up seven times. That's strength. That's strength. 
We're human. We mess up. But being strong means running away from sin. Look at what Apostle Paul says this to Timothy. It says this, flee. So flee youthful passions. Another translation says this, stay away from lusts which tempt young people. Stay away. That's being strong. Because this world for young people tries to reel them in with little things, distractions. And, and then strength means you, you resist that. Strength means I resist that. That's, that's what being strong means. And I love the last part. It says, and call. those. Look, all these things will be given to those to call on the Lord from a pure heart. That's strength. It's not easy to have a pure heart. And I'll be honest. It's not easy to have a pure, a pure heart. Here's the deal. The result of my spiritual walk with God will be evident in those who I hang with. You guys may have, and your leaders asked me to speak about this, and I want to touch it very brief, briefly. You know, there's a phrase that says, and I believe it's biblical even. Those who you hang with, what happens? You become like those who you hang with. Or who you hang with is who you will become. Who I hang out with is who I will eventually become. And so I want for us to think about that. You see, when I walk with God, I will also pursue, because I want to honor God, I will pursue healthy relationships. Or vice versa, I will pursue healthy relationships with people because I honor my God. So often we see people today walking with the right crowd and trying to do the wrong things. And we think, oh man, if only they just get from that crowd. It's like, no, 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 no. It's because their relationship with God is wrong. They'll go with a different crowd and they'll still do something evil. Because here it's not fixed. Here it's broken. You see, it's not God's plan that we be unequally yoked. And usually people refer that to, um, to marriage, like unequally yoked. But that's also with our friends. It's not God's plan for us to be unequally yoked. To have friends or a spouse or people in our life who make us betray our faith, betray Christ. And if we have those people in our life and we're not doing anything about that, meaning we're not witnessing to them, then we have to get away from some of those people. We do. And it's hard to get away from some of those people. But we do. If they're making us go away from God, then, it's, then I should get out of that relationship. Look what uh, the Bible says. This, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And you could be a good cookie, but in a bad jar. And you'll be a bad cookie. Your morals will be, will be betrayed because you're in bad company. So let that be just an encouragement for us. How strong am I? Who are my friends? Am I, am I, do I know, do I have the strength or maybe even the, 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 the strength to say no to certain things? No to certain things that my, my friends are trying to give to me? Or am I just doing whatever they do? That's not easy. As Christians, we are called to be set apart. We are called to be a holy nation. That's an honor. That's an honor that we cannot neglect or just trample it on. Holy means we're set apart for the work of God. God has a use for you and I. God wants to use us in amazing things. That's what a holy nation means. And we have to fulfill that. We have to walk that way. And not only that, here's the challenges. We also have to inspire others through our life for others to also be set apart. It's not just about me. It's like, oh, I'm good. I don't need to care about people. 
No, we're set apart for the work of God so that others could look at our life and say, wow, I want to be like that. Look what the Bible says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's for the Christians. Let us consider how we live our life so that others could also love and all others could also do good things for the glory of God. Here's the deal. Is strength means I'm exercising self-control, which is also a spiritual gift. Self-control. It's something this generation does not want to think about. But it's something that's so important today, like never before, exercising self-control and, and submitting to the Holy Spirit. That strength. And so, prayer number four is God. Help me to be strong in the Lord. Help me to be strong. Help my strength to be found in Christ. And then number five, do everything with love. Another translation says this, never stop loving others. A few years ago, maybe like three years ago, my brother and I went to a um, to Summit International, the, the school of ministry, and on in their chapel, they had a, a Pretty sweet banner. I want to show a picture. Oh, you can't really see it here. You can't see it at all. It's okay. So they had a banner kind of to your right. And, it, and on the banner, what it said is, is kind of a challenge for all. But that was actually the mission statement. It says this. Living for the benefit of others. Living for the benefit of others. And that really touched me. Because that should be our motto as Christians. Is we're living for the benefit of others. You know the Bible says this. Jesus said this. Love the Lord your God with all of your what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then Jesus says amen, right? What did Jesus continue? What is the second commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the first part, in my opinion, is pretty easy. To say, to sit up here and say, Jesus, I worship, I love you, right? With all my heart, I, I worship a Jesus that I don't see. That's easy. But that, get that gets tested when I have to love a neighbor that I do see. When I have to love a friend that I do see. When I see somebody struggling and I have to say a word, but I'm like, how do I say it to them? How do I, it's going to sound so awkward. It's going to sound so weird. No, you're doing it out of love for them because you want them saved as well. That's loving our neighbor as ourselves. Because we want to be saved, we care enough for them. They also have to be saved. Look at what Apostle John says this. This is, sorry, this is what Jesus says this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then Apostle John continues and says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. People will see that we are born again by how we love people. People will see how we are born again. The fact that we are born again and we have a transformed heart by how we love other people. Love, do everything with love. Doing everything with love means that I'm loving people from God's per perspective. It means I'm praying for their salvation. I'm sharing the gospel. And trust me, that's love. You see, here's what the world has done. The world has redefined the word love. And for them, the word love, this is what it means. And I think you see this in your universities and your colleges and your workplaces. At least I'm seeing it for myself. 
Love for this world means this acceptance of all false religions. You just accept everybody. Everybody can do whatever they want. Tolerance of all sinful behavior. Tolerance of false doctrines. And we see some Christians practicing meditation and all these other things. You're like, what's going on there? The world has defined love as refusal to rebuke and expose everybody. And never offending anyone with the truth. That's what the world means by love. But for Christians, that's not what love is. Love means we're born again. And because we're born again, we're going to also want for others to be born again. And in order for us to be born again, we have to expose the truth to them. We have to tell them, hey, that's a sin. By the way, that, God doesn't love that. By the way, that's sinful. And there's a reason why this is at the last, do everything with love. Because that's the toughest thing to do as Christians. And I'll be honest, this is something that's so tough to do. But it's so important. Here's the deal is, prayer number five is, God, help me to do everything with love. Help me to love people like you love them. I want to bring one example from the Bible, just to tie it all up. And then we're going to go to prayer. There was a, in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 5, I'm going to read only four verses. And I'm going to read it from the message translation because it's just a little bit too, uh, easier to understand. But there's a little, there's a, um, a, a uh, what happens is uh, Syria comes and takes over uh, some people from Israel into captivity. And what happens is among them also was found a, a little girl. And it's her faith that I want to talk about. It's, it's about her walk. Because I really believe she walked the Christian walk. So let's read it together. Naaman was general of the army under the king of Aram. He was important to his master who held him in the highest esteem because it was by him that God has given victory to Aram. A truly great man. But afflicted with a grievous skin disease. And the skin disease, we see that it's leprosy. It so happened that Aram, it so happened that Aram, on one of his raiding expeditions against Israel, captured a young girl who became a maid to Naaman's wife. One day she said to her mistress, and I love this word, Oh, if only my master could meet the prophet of Samaria, he would be healed of his skin disease or, or of his leprosy. And so what does Naaman do? He hears that and says, Naaman went straight to his master and reported what the girl from Israel had said. I want to speak about this little girl because I really believe she walked the Christian walk. We just spoke about these five points and I want to apply them here. Look, as a girl in slavery, she had the full, well, not really because girls didn't have that many rights back then, but she could have. We, we could allow ourselves to think this way. She had the right to complain and say, God, why? Why me? Why do I have to be a slave? She had, she had all the rights to just say, God, you know what? I'm a slave. I don't care. I'm just going to do whatever I want now. From now on, I'm not going to serve you. I don't, right? She could have done that. Instead, she decided to be faithful to God in her new circumstances. Her life changed as our life changes. We see that our life is changing with COVID and with whatever's happening in our country today. We see that it's changing. But instead of complaining and doing nothing about it, she said, you know what? I'm going to decide to be faithful to God in this new season of life or in this new circumstance in my life. So first off, she was watchful. Think about this. Instead of just minding her own business, doing her job as a slave girl and just like, oh, whatever, I don't care. He dies, whatever. 
She paid attention. She saw that her master was struggling. She was watchful. Think about this. How many of you guys have siblings, younger siblings? So, especially if they're like eight or lower, some of them are, you know, pretty smart, but a lot of them, when they see somebody sick, they don't really ask you about it, unless it's like a physical, like you actually see them sick. But if you see like something, usually little children, they don't ask anything of, you know, like, hey, what's wrong with you? Or like, are you okay? This little girl, she was watchful. She knew that her master was struggling. She paid attention. She said, you know what, I can actually maybe point him in the right direction. Number two, she was firm in her faith. She knew that it was only God who could heal him. She understood that his condition, only God could heal him. And she said, if only my master could visit the man of God, prophet, he would heal him. Look, she decided, she could have given room to doubt and said, what if I tell him and he goes and he doesn't get healed? She could have doubted. But instead she says, you know what, I know for a fact, I've seen it, I've seen God work, that if my master just goes to the man of God, God will. She was firm in her faith. She was firm in her faith. Number three, she was very courageous. Even though she was only a server girl, she spoke up about her faith. She spoke the truth. She wanted to reveal to the real God and that she, the fact that she lived, she served a living God. A living God who can change our circumstances. And even though they were in a pagan nation, think about it, they were Assyrians. She's like, you know what, I'm going to speak about my God because my God could actually do something. Number four, she was strong. She pointed him in the right direction. She said, you know what? Go to my, my prophet, the prophet of Israel, and he, he's going to heal you. He didn't, she could have pointed and said, look, if you go to maybe the best doctors or whatever, and nothing against doctors, they do amazing work. But the thing is, with this leprosy, it's kind of hard. You're, you're not, doctors won't be able to cure you. But she pointed her, or him to God. And number five, she cared so much and loved her master, she wanted to see him live. She could have said this, you know what? Maybe he dies and I'll be free. She's like, well, I wish the death of my master. She didn't do this. She said, you know what? She wanted her master to live. She wanted her master to live. And so she's, she's led him to the path of life. She led him to the man of God. And that made him better. So I want to conclude here. You and I are walking the spiritual walk in life. I, I read this quote recently and it really challenged me. And I want to share it today as well. The quote said this, if a blind, now pay careful attention because you, you won't get it unless you pay attention. If a blind person hears me, could they tell that I'm a Christian? If a blind person hears me, could they tell that I'm a Christian? Or if a deaf person sees me, could they see Christ living through me? Dear church, dear youth, that's the Christian walk. That's the Christian walk. And so I want to ask us the, the following question. We're going to pray here in just a minute. In just a minute. Where am I at? Where are you at in, in, in this Christian walk? Yes, I know we're not living in easy times. I, I, I'll give you that one. And I, I agree 100%. Because the devil is firing at us these spiritual darts that are very tough. I, I'm working with the youth myself in our church and I see it. I see people struggling in all kinds of issues. Before baptism, I see people struggling with a lot of issues. And especially after baptism. I see it. We're not living in easy times. Many people today are confused. They're wicked. They're stressed out. I see it. 
But here's the deal. We have Jesus. Here's the deal. We have someone who gives us the hope. We have somebody whose record does not match anybody else could help us. I want to leave us off with something. This is not me saying this. I, I've, I've heard this, this, and I'm going to read this quote. I heard this and it really inspired me. We have somebody who can help us to walk the spiritual walk. We have somebody whose record is un, unparalleled to anybody else who can help us. Here's the deal. Here's what we have. We have Jesus who, if you take the best, the elite, the most famous painters, musicians, and philosophers, and stack them against Jesus, their record do not compare. Because here's the deal. This is the real Jesus. This is who the real Jesus is. Socrates taught for 40 years. Plato taught for 50 years. And Aristotle taught for 40. And Jesus for only three years. So yet the influence of Christ's three-year ministry transcends and impacts more than the combined 130 years of teaching of all these Greek and the greatest philosophers of, of all time. And none of them come close to the record of Jesus. Here's the record of Jesus. Let's compare them. Jesus painted no picture, but some of the finest paintings of Raphael, Michelangelo, and Da Vinci received inspiration from Jesus. Jesus wrote no poetry, but Dante, Milton, and the scores of the greatest prophets were inspired by Jesus. Jesus composed no music, yet Haydn, Handel, Beethoven, Bach, Mendelssohn reached the highest perfection of melodies, of hymns, symphonies, and areas by composing about Jesus. Every spear of human greatness is enriched, by this, is enriched by this humble carpenter of Nazareth. His unique contribution to the race of human is the salvation of our soul. Philosophy could not accomplish that. Art could not accomplish that. Literature can't accomplish that. Music can't even accomplish that. Only Jesus can break the chains of sin. Only Jesus can save us in this dangerous time. Only Je Jesus can help us walk the walk of life. And only Jesus can help us walk the true spiritual walk. Only Jesus. So I want that to be an encouragement for all of us and an inspiration. Look, these greatest people of all time, they relied on Jesus. What's stopping us from relying on Jesus to walk this spiritual walk? It's not easy, but that's not an excuse because it's not easy for anyone. It's not easy for anyone. I want us to pray. Five points. And let this be encouragements for all of us. Lord, help me to be watchful, to stand firm in the faith, to be courageous, to be strong, and to do everything out of love. Can we all stand and pray?